Well, good evening. How are we doing? Fantastic. All right. Um, hey, my name is Josh Story. Uh, I am one of the, the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. Uh, man, and I love um, that we get to do this. I love that you guys came to worship with us. I'm excited for what the Lord has in store for us tonight. Uh, so if you will, uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Um, Galatians 5, we'll be hanging out there uh, tonight. And as you're turning, um, I kind of want to set the scene for where we're going tonight. Um, so I am a people watcher. Um, one of my favorite pastimes is watching people. Like, not in, like, a creepy way, but, like, in, like, a, like, like the way that, like, I'm just intrigued by people. And I love, like, just, like, guessing their stories and trying to figure out what's really going on in, in their story. And um, as a people watcher, you know, one of my favorite scenarios to observe is the first date. Um, because, like, it's, like, people watching gold, right? Like, it is so... It's just quality entertainment, right? And so if you're in here and you're not a people watcher and you're like, can you really tell if someone's on a first date? Absolutely you can. So, uh, so, so, so for instance, let me just give you a couple like indicators that like a first date's going down. Uh, one is like if you overhear their conversation and there's like no depth to it, like it's just like superficial, probably a first, first date, right? Because like everyone on a first date is like, I don't know like, like what's too deep. So, so also side note, like if you're that person who like leads with like, like marriage or like, hey, how many kids do you want? Like, no, like stop that. Don't, don't, don't do that. So like just from like a, a shepherding standpoint, pa- pastoral thing, just, just don't, right? Like that's just not okay, right? So, so typically it's like, yeah, uh, so do you like Doritos? You know, like, what? Like, what, like, like you're just grasping for straws, bro. Like, like, there's, like there's no depth there, right? So, so that's one way. Like another way to a tell is if there's like $50 worth of food on the table, but no one's eating it, right? So like you're, you're like sitting there and it's like, oh, this food looks great. And you're just like kind of picking out and you're like, yeah, I'm more of like a cool ranch guy, but nacho cheese is cool too. And you're just like sitting there like, you're like, are, like are we still talking about Doritos? Yes, we are, because the date's that bad, right? And so we're sitting there and it's like, because everyone knows like first day, I gotta bring my A game. Like I can't be like eating too much, right? And the guy's pro- probably like, dude, Italian, rookie mistake. Like there's, there's no sexy way to eat spaghetti, right? Like you just can't, it's just hanging out, it's bad, right? So you just resort to like, I'm just not gonna eat, you know? And so that's a, that's, that's a way, but the best way and the last, last way uh, is the body language, right? Because you can like watch them and if you feel uncomfortable watching how uncomfortable they are, first date all the way, right? Because they're like, they don't really know like how to sit or like what's like too forward or like my hands, I don't know, right? Um, and it's, it's just awkward, right? But the best part, and if you see this, this is like a gift from the Lord, okay? Like <laughs> if you get to watch them like say goodbye to each other, like that is like, like the Lord saying, hey, this is my common grace to you that you just get to <laughs> experience this and watch this because like because it's so awkward. They're like, uh, so uh, see ya, should we, should, we, should we hug? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll hug, should we, should we kiss? No, no, okay, cool, it's fine, I, I, I didn't mean to, oh my gosh, right? Like, like it's, just, like, it's just painful to like, kind of figure out how do we say goodbye, okay, hugs, nuts, all right, see ya. And like, like it's, just, it's just bad, right? Um, I love watching first dates because they're just awkward, right? Um, but you know what I love to watch like more than like a first date? I love to watch like, like 80-year-old couples who are just like crazy in love, 
right? Like, like those people are so fun to watch. And you can tell that they're like old and like crazy in love because it's everything about the first date but reversed, right? So like, so like they're like talking and they're engaging each other and they're laughing at each other, right? And they're eating and like they don't even care. It's like they're just scarfing it down because like I don't care what you think anymore, right? And then like, and, and then you see them and, and they're like holding hands across, across, across the table and they're like winking at each other and they're just like, like it's like, like that's adorable, right? Like, like that's why, like, like, like I want to be that 80-year-old dude who's like, yo, what up, baby? You know what I mean? Like, like, like that's just like what you want. Like it's so fun to watch old people who are just crazy in love, right? Um, all right, what's the point of that probably, right? You're like, I don't, I don't even know where we're going with this. Um, the point is this. If you watch people long enough, you can pick up on identifiers that, that give you insight into who these people are, right? Like, like if you watch a couple long enough, you can figure out, oh, that's a first date, or oh, they've been in love for a while, or they're like, or like he's about to propose because he's like sweating through his clothes, right? Or like whatever it is. Like, well, you can identify things about people by just like watching them, right? As believers, there are certain characteristics and certain identifiers that we should possess that when people watch us, they say, oh man, there's something different about, about that person. Oh man, like there's, there's like life in that person. There's joy in that person. There's, there's something different. Like something about them is, is, has been transformed, right? And so as believers, we, we should possess these characteristics that when people see us, they say, oh, that person follows the Lord, right? Like w- whether they even know that we're following the Lord or not, there's, there's just something different about us. But here's like the problem that we're gonna address tonight. We're just not very good at that. <laughs> like, we're, like, we're just not always very good at, like, possessing the identifiers, these characteristics that, that tip people off that, oh, man, there's something different about that person's life, right? And so the question is, man, how, how do we fix that? How do we get to that place? And so um, what we're going to do tonight is Paul's going to lay out in Galatians um, really kind of two different lists of identifiers. And one is, man, this is a list of what it looks like to, to not walk with the Lord, right? Like, like, like this is just kind of our, our default self, like the unchanged, the untransformed self. And then here's a list of identifiers of, man, if your life has truly been transformed by the gospel, if the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your heart, man, this is what your life looks like. And so what I want us to do is, one, just kind of identify and see what we're actually supposed to look like as believers, but then, two, figure out, man, why isn't that what we do all the time? Like, like why aren't we typically identified like that? And so that's where we're going today. And, and my hope is that, man, we can grow to become a people who, when, when like, the outside world sees us, when, when people watch us, they say, man, there's something so drastically different about that person. Like, man, there's, there's life and joy, and, man, I don't know what that is, but I want it, right? So... That's where we're going tonight. Um, and so actually, before we dive in, uh, I want to clarify a couple of terms that we're going to be throwing out a lot. Um, and one term is the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you guys have been in church for a while, um, you probably know what the Holy Spirit is. But if you're like, I've, I'm new here, like I've never been here, um, and I've heard this word, but I don't really, really know, um, here, here's what this, this means. Um, for the whole first half of this book, um, Paul has been hammering home the idea that we are not saved by works, we're saved by grace, right? Like we are saved by grace through faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so um, it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how many times you've been to church, or you've never cussed, you've never watched R-rated movies unless they're about Jesus, like it, it doesn't matter. Like, like, there's, like, like your works don't get you to a place where you earn right standing before God, right? You're saved by grace through faith, right? But once you are in Christ, once you've been saved, what happens is the Holy Spirit, who's the third person of the Trinity, which is a whole other conversation, but um, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within you. And what the Holy Spirit does 
is the aid in what we call sanctification, which is the second term that I want us to like define. Um, sanctification is just a, a big church word for um, the, the, the maturing process that makes you look more like Christ, right? That, that you begin to look less like your, your default self and more like Christ. And so, so what the Holy Spirit does is he comes in and he begins to transform you and he illuminates scripture. He convicts you of sin. He, he does these things that, that all of a sudden you're thinking, man, like that's, that's the old me. Like I don't want to do those things. I see how amazing Christ is. I see what he's done for me. And man, my heart's desire is to look like him. And so the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for bringing that change, bringing that transformation or that um, renovation, as we say here. So, um, so going forward, just know that's what I mean. If, if you hear me say the Holy Spirit or sanctification, because we're going to be talking about that a lot tonight. Um, all right, Galatians 5, let's start in verse 16. It says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. All right, stop right there for a sec. So what Paul is saying right here, starting off, is that, hey, there is a battle going on, right? Um, you have these, these two forces. You have uh, your flesh, which is our, our old self, our, our default self, kind of who we are without Christ. We have the flesh. And the flesh, like, it wants certain things. It desires certain things. But then you also have the spirit that now dwells within us. And the spirit also wants certain things. It also desires certain things. And so what the flesh wants and what the spirit wants are drastically different, right? The flesh wants to stay the same. The flesh says, I want to just revel in my sin. I want to just stay where I am. I don't want to change. I don't want to grow. I don't want to look more like Christ. I want to just sit in my squalor, right? But what the spirit saying is, no, no, no. I want to help you like, change. Like, I want to transform you, that you look more like Christ, that, that you put to death these old things, these things that bring death instead of life. And so there's this battle going on, right? And so um, you've, you've probably seen like snippets of this or, or shadows of this just in your own life if you've ever tried to like change anything about yourself, right? So like if you've um, been on like a diet of like sugar and processed food and you're like, man, that's not healthy. I'm going to just like cut out sugar, cut out bread. I'm going to just go straight up whole 30, right? Like there's a war within your body, right? Like your body is like, you're, I hate you, right? It's like, this is so bad. I crave sugar. I, I crave these things, right? Or if you've ever tried to um, kick coffee or caffeine, like there's this, this, this war going on within your body saying like, this, this is awful. Like, please give me what I desire, right? And so like in, in, in a similar way, that's what's going on here, but on a much more violent scale, to be honest. Right? We have like our, our, our default self, our, our flesh, that for however long we've been functioning in our flesh, man, it's, it wants these things, and the Spirit's coming in, and it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to change that. I'm, I'm trying to break that in you, right? And there's this war that is going on. And so, man, it's important for us to know starting off um, that, man, if you want to be a people who grow in our sanctification, who grow to look more like Christ, man, that's a battle. That's a battle. And the reason is because, man, the, the difference in our old self and our new self and the, the self that the Spirit's trying to help transform us into is so drastically different. It's drastically different. I'll show you here in verse 19. This is the, the list of identifiers of the old self. Um, Paul says this. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, stop right there for a second. Um, Paul is like saying, hey, like this is what the old self looks like. Like, like this is what you look like when like, the Holy Spirit has not transformed you. It hasn't sanctified you. Like this is our default self. Um, now, now, I don't know how you're wired, but how I'm wired, I tend to like find the most extreme examples in here and throw out the list because that doesn't apply to me, right? So like I can sit here and say, oh, uh, sorcery and orgies, I'm good, right? Because like I don't personally struggle with that, right? Now, now, granted, like one of the cool things, like just, just so you know, um, one of the, the cool things about what God is doing here is that, man, God is bringing people who struggle with all kinds of stuff. So it, I, honestly, it would not surprise me if someone in here is like, man, like, I've been dealing with witch, witchcraft. Like, that would not surprise me at all because, like, the Lord is just doing these cool things here. So I'm not making fun of that at all, right? But I'm saying that for me, like, that's not my struggle. And so what I do is, is I say, oh, man, like, that's, that's not me. I'm good. I don't actually need to change because this doesn't apply to me. But the reality is, man, if I, like, actually stop and I read this list, man, this list describes me embarrassingly well, right? Like, I'm sitting here, idolatry like strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. Like, that's me to a T, right? Like, am I alone in that? Like, 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 like who in here doesn't struggle with just like flying off the handle from time to time or being divisive or gossiping or, or being jealous or envy? Like, I mean, this is us. This is our default. So this is how we're just naturally wired, right? And here's the scary part about all this. Paul finishes in verse 21 by saying, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. Hold on a second, Paul. Like, is he saying that, like, if, if I've done these things before, like, I'm not going to heaven? Is he saying that, man, if, if I struggle with this from time to time, like, I'm not, I'm not saved, I'm not inheriting the kingdom of God? Like, what on earth does that mean? It's a great question that I want to kind of clarify because I think that if we don't understand what he's saying, we can go down some really dangerous paths like in, in our thinking or we just walk around in fear thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not saved when in fact you are. So um, let me kind of explain uh, what Paul's saying here. Um, and I'm going to have to like geek out for a second, so just kind of hang on here. Um, in the Greek, there are two words that Paul uses uh, for the word do, right? So one is called poieo and one is called proso. And so poieo is a Greek word that means um, a one-time act. So like one time I did this thing or I did that, that thing, right? It's a single action. While proso is um, a habitual action, right? And so, so throughout the um, letters of Paul, he'll say, hey, he'll say the word do, which, which for us, we see those who do such, such things, right? But poieo means, man, that's like a one-time thing or proso means this is a habitual, this is a lifestyle, right? And so in this passage, the word that Paul is using is proso, which means this is a habitual thing. So, so if you're sitting there and there's something in you being like, man, I don't, I don't quite know if I'm saved. Like, like, I read this and like, this is definitely me. Like, this definitely describes me. And it says here that if I do these things and I'm not going to heaven, like, that kind of freaks me out. Man, know that Paul's not saying if you've ever done these things, you're out. He's not saying that, right? So like, so like if you've ever been drunk, you're not out, right? There's, there's plenty of grace for that, right? Like, like he's not saying those, those things. He's also not saying that, man, um, in the process of trying to put sin to death and really follow the Lord, if you fall into these things from time to time because these are a struggle, he's also not saying that you're out, right? 
the word that Paul's using here is he's saying, man, if this is like a habitual lifestyle for you, or um, another way to say it, man, is that if, if you're living in these things, right, if, if this is a lifestyle that you are living in habitual, unrepentant sin, meaning that, man, you do these things, you're, you're living in sin and you don't care, like your sin doesn't bother you, like, like you read that and you're thinking, what's the big, big deal, right? Like what, what that means is that you're in trouble. That means that you are in trouble. He's saying, man, if your lifestyle is such that, man, that, that you are living like this and it's habitual, it's unrepentant, you don't care, your sin doesn't bother you, he's saying you're not gonna inherit the kingdom of God. You know why? Because the odds are you're not saved. And I realize that sounds harsh, but I don't say that to scare you, I say that to be honest. Because what happens is that when we are saved, once Christ comes into our life, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within us and the Holy Spirit does this thing where all of a sudden, what used to not be a problem is now a problem. The sin that I used to walk in that I didn't care about, now all of a sudden I care about it. Man, like I used to get drunk, but now all of a sudden, man, I, I, like that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to be all about sexual immorality, but now that doesn't sit well with me. Because the Holy Spirit's doing something. He's transforming us. He's saying, hey, that's not okay. There's something better for you. I mean, that's death, that brings emptiness, that brings brokenness, that brings shame, that brings guilt. But this over here, man, this is life. This is life and life abundantly. So if you are walking in these, these things and you just don't care, it doesn't bother you. Then, man, I, I don't know you, I don't know your heart. But if there's no fruit, if, if the Holy Spirit's not bringing conviction for sin, then there's a good chance, man, that you're not saved. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit transforms us. He sanctifies us. He does this thing where all of a sudden we can't stay the same. Right? We look drastically different. And so let me show you how we look drastically different. Paul's going to give us the second list of identifiers here in verse 22. He says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right, so what Paul's saying is, hey, man, this is the old self over here. The old self, man, your, your default self, it's, it's angry, it's jealous, it's envy, it's full of sexual immorality, it's full of drunkenness, it's full of all these things, man. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to change you where you're no longer identified by those things, but you're identified by love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Man, those are the things that identify you. These are the things that, that tell the outside world, man, God's doing something in my heart. God's changing me. Like, I'm not the same person anymore, right? Like, that's how we should be identified by the rest of the world. Like, that's the identifier. Now, here's the tension that you may feel, because I feel, feel this too. I think it's really easy to read this and to think, I don't know if that identifies me. Like, if I'm being honest, like, even as a believer, man, like, like I don't know if someone would look at me and see that, right? Like, I mean, yeah, granted, like, I might be more kind than I was before I met Christ, but I don't know if I'm, like, a kind person. Yeah, I might have more patience than before I met Christ, but I don't know if people would ever define me as like a patient person. Like I, I, just, I just don't feel like, like this is me, right? And I think the reason, one, I think that's a healthy tension to feel, but I think the reason that we, that we feel that tension is because we expect fruit to be overnight. 
we expect this to be instant sanctification when in, rea- when in reality, sanctification is a progressive thing. Right? And, so, and so we expect, man, okay, I've come to, to the Lord, and now I'm saved. And so, man, like, like I want the Spirit to just show up and just wreck me. And so tomorrow, like, I'm, I'm a whole new person. And I don't struggle with anger. I don't struggle with jealousy. I don't struggle with sex. I don't struggle with any of these things, right? Like, I'm, I'm new. I'm, I'm loving and kind and patient and joyful. And, like, like that's me, right? I don't know about you, but that hasn't been my experience. Like, like, like I've been following Christ for 20 years, and and I wake up some, some days and I think, man, why am I not here? <laughs> like, why have I not arrived? Like, why isn't this just who I am, right? It's because it's progressive. It's because this doesn't just happen overnight. So, so hopefully that's an encouragement for you, right? That, that this isn't just some overnight thing that, that, that the Holy Spirit, he's constantly chiseling us and molding us and, and helping us put these things to death. But even with that being said, I think it is a healthy question to ask, man, why, why is that? And why is it that, that, man, I'm not always defined by this, that, that my life isn't marked by what we call the fruit of the Spirit? Um, I think that's a great question, so let me kind of answer that for us. Um, first off, I would say, say this. I would say that, just as an encouragement, um, if you're really seeking to follow Christ, like if you're active, like actively in pursuing the Lord and, and you're walking in community and you're confessing sin and you're really trying to put sin to death, I would venture to say that you probably display more fruit than you realize. You probably display more fruit than you realize because you know yourself, right? Like you know your thoughts, you know your, your, your feelings, you know those things, but sometimes what we feel doesn't line up with what we actually do or display, right? So um, for instance, uh, my default setting is arrogance, pride, selfishness and control, right? Like, like, I, like I'm controlling, like I'm selfish, like I want what I want when I want it, right? Like, 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 like I know me, I know my heart, and that's what I feel a lot of the time, right? Um, well, I started dating somebody, and when we uh, first started talking, she was like, man, one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you're really patient. And when she said that, I started laughing to myself because I was like, what? Like, 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 that's all, like, external, because inside, I'm like, ugh, like, I don't know. Like I'm, like, I'm just not a patient person, right? But, but what she saw was the Holy Spirit, right? Because although inside, like, man, I, I, don't, I don't feel like being patient. I don't feel like doing these things. I feel like snapping. I, I realized I, I, I didn't do those things. And what she saw was patience, because the Holy Spirit's chiseling me. He's, he's doing these things. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't snap like I feel like snapping. I don't respond to every impulse the way that I, I feel like responding. Right? And that's the Holy Spirit. Right? He's, he's doing things. And, and so I would venture to say just as an encouragement that, man, if you're really chasing after the Lord, like the people around you probably see the Spirit in you more than you realize. Right? And, and so, um, man, be, be encouraged with, with that knowing that even though that you can't see the fruit in your own life, people around you see it because it's very subtle and it takes, takes it some time. Um, but you probably reveal more fruit than you realize. Um, but... Uh, to answer the question, I mean, why don't we see more fruit? Um, let me give you two reasons why I feel like we probably don't see more fruit um, in our lives. Um, and the first is this. Um, I think we have a tendency to run back to the old self because our culture mistakes godliness for weakness. And I think we have a, t- a tendency to run back to the old self and function in the flesh because culturally speaking, our culture views godliness as weakness, right? And so um, we see this primarily, um, or most co- commonly, I would say, with 
with men, right? Um, because if you look at the list right here of what we call the fruit of the Spirit, man, there's nothing manly about this, right? Like, like culturally speaking, like this is weakness and borderline effeminate, right? Like, like is there anything manly about being loving? Culturally, no. Is there anything manly about being peaceful or about being patient or about being kind or, or gentle or self-controlled? Like, no, like from, from a cultural standpoint, man, that's weakness, right? And so, and so since no one wants to be weak, we, we buy this lie of, oh, no, I can't be like that because that's weakness. And so we run back to the old self because culturally speaking, man, that's what helps us get ahead in life, right? So, um, so fellas, let's, let's chat for a second. And I know that some of you guys have jobs that are cutthroat. And you have these jobs where, man, in order for you to get ahead in life, you have to be borderline ruthless, right? And you may read this and you think, man, I, I can't do that. Like, like, I can't walk into a negotiation and lead with peace. I can't walk into, like, some, some big meeting and lead with gentleness. Like, that, that's just not going to fly. Like, like I'm going to get laughed out of the room. Like, like, I have to be aggressive. I have to be in their face. I have to be, like, I mean, I have to do what I have to do to get things done, Right? I get that, but here's the deal. I think our culture has missed it. Our culture has misled you, okay? And this is gonna sound so backwards, so backwards, but hang tight for a second. I would argue that what we see in this text, the fruit of the Spirit, I would argue that is the most manly thing you could possibly do. If you were a man who was marked by the things that we see in this text, that's, that's the most masculine thing that you could possibly be identified for. You know why? Because this is the hardest stuff to do in the world. It's so hard that no one does it. If this was easy, everyone would be patient, everyone would be kind, everyone would be loving, but no, this is extremely hard, right? But what men do is men do the hard things, right? So although culturally speaking, we've, we've been lied to and we've been told that, man, this is weakness, this is not weakness, right? So um, for instance, do you know how hard it is to be a man who's marked by patience? It's incredibly hard. You know why? Because people are morons, right? Like, have you ever met a human, ever, any human? Pick a human. It is so hard to be patient. It is so hard to be kind. It's so hard to be loving. It's so hard to be gentle. It's like, no, you're an idiot. I don't want to be gentle. I want to rough you up, right? Like, like, that's, like, like that's not how we're wired, right? But it is so hard to be a man who is marked by these things, right? Yet we run back to the old self because we think, man, I can't get ahead in life. I can't, I can't win. I can't do what I want to do if I'm marked by the sissy stuff. I can't be a man if I'm gentle and good and kind and self-controlled. I can't do that. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. There is nothing weak about looking like Jesus. That bro is the manliest man you've ever met in your life. Straight up. There is nothing weak about a man who can create the whole world and then come because his creation turned on him. He comes and he allowed, like, like think about this. Jesus allowed his own creation to mock him, to beat him, to spit in his face, to rip the beard from his face. Do you know how much self-control that takes? to allow your own creation to spit in your face and not say a word, and then to allow your creation to murder you so that you can forgive the sins of the people murdering you. 
That is strength like I've never even fathomed. I can't even fathom that strength. There is nothing weak about looking like Jesus. That pro was a man. He's a man. Yet the things that our culture praises, man, the bar is so freaking low for that. Like, like think about what our culture praises in men. Man, if you're, if you're athletic, if you're strong, if you can fix things, man, if you can sleep with as many chicks as you want to, like, like, like that's what our, our culture praises, right? But, I mean, we've missed it. Because, man, if, if you can bench press 300 pounds, and, but you're unfaithful to your girlfriend, if you can't be faithful, if you can't follow through on commitments, you're not a man, you're a boy. And if you can carve a canoe out of a redwood using a toothpick and a screwdriver? <laughs> Seriously. There's a point to it. But you flap the handle every time you don't get your way? That you're not patient? You're not, you're not a man. That, that's a temper tantrum. You're not a man. You're a boy. Right, so, so, men, don't be deceived. This is the most manly thing. And so don't run back to the old self because culturally you've been lied to. There is nothing weak about looking like Jesus, man. This stuff is hard. And the reason that more men don't do it is because it's hard. And, and you will separate yourself as a man rather than a boy when you actually allow the spirit to transform you and do the hard work of helping you look like Jesus. Now, ladies, let me talk to you for a second as it pertains to this. I don't know if you realize how much power you have to influence the brothers in this room. Um, and your words specifically, man, they have crazy power, crazy power. And I want you to know that your brothers are being lied to on a daily basis. Your brothers feel this pressure to perform and, and, and to do certain things. And so the last place that they need to be reminded of this lie is in their church community. So, man, I want to encourage you, man, if, if you see brothers who are exemplifying the Spirit, if you see the Spirit working in their heart and you see a brother who's kind, man, affirm that in him. Man, if you see a brother who's patient, affirm that. If you see a brother who's self-controlled, affirm that in him because they're getting lied to on the daily, right? And, and so the last place that they need to be told that, oh, yeah, that's weakness. Your kindness is weakness. Your, your, your love is weakness. Your self-control is weakness. Like, like, that's not here. I mean, so, so know where you are. Know that you have incredible influence the way that you speak and encourage your brothers. And again, men, and don't be deceived. This is not weakness. It's not weakness. Let me tell you the second reason um, why I think we don't see more fruit in our life. Um, I think we have a tendency to try to produce fruit in our own strength. We try to produce fruit in our own strength. Um, we live in a culture that's all about self-sufficiency, right? Like, we have the ability, like, like, like we're Americans, right? Like, we can do it. Like, like, we can figure out a way, we'll just white-knuckle it, and we'll, and we'll buck up, and we'll just make it happen for ourselves, right? And so what typically happens is that we see these things, and we feel some, some sort of guilt, and it's like, oh, man, like, you know, I'm not very kind. Like, I should be a, a more kind person. So, so I'm going to white-knuckle it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself more kind, that's only gonna last a little bit before you burn out because nothing in your heart's actually changed. You're just trying to be, be more kind. Like, or maybe it's like, man, like, I'm not very patient, so, so man, I need to be more patient, so, so I'm gonna really like, just, like, just buck up and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be more patient. I mean, you're gonna burn out. 
because nothing in you has actually changed. The people that annoyed you yesterday still annoy you. And it's only gonna take so much before you're like, all right, fine, screw it. Like, you're an idiot, right? Like, that, that, that's, that's how it works. Because we don't have the ability to change on our own. And so when we deceive ourselves into thinking that we do, man, we, don't, we, we might produce fruit for a season, but it's not actual fruit. It's not good fruit. It's just kind of counterfeit fruit. I mean, so press into the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to do the work. And sometimes that's going to take some humility. Some humility to back up and say, man, I'm just jacked. Like, I'm just not as patient as I should be. I'm not as kind or not as loving. I'm not as self-controlled. Lord, will you change me? Will you mold me? Will you do the work that I can't do to look more like your son? And because we just try to do it, and it's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting to try to just be better. Just be better. That's so hard. Man, and the good news is you have the spirit who's helping you change. He's moving, he's stirring, he's doing these things in your heart. But one more reason why we probably try to produce fruit in our own strength, and we said this, and I just want to reiterate, then maybe you don't actually have the Holy Spirit in you. And maybe like the reason that you're not seeing fruit is because the Holy Spirit's not there. The Holy Spirit's not producing fruit. Man, if there's something in you tonight and you hear that and you think, man, that's me. Man, that's me. Like I've, I've been trying to earn my way to, to God. I've been trying to, to just, just to be good and step up and be a better person. And I'm just exhausted because I can't I keep falling here and I fall there and I just don't know what to do. I mean, if that's where you are, man, that is the Holy Spirit convicting you. He's stirring your heart. He's saying, hey, come home. Like, 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 like you don't have to do it on your own. Like that's the beauty of the gospel. Like Christ already did it for you. And now when you place your faith in what Christ has done in his death and his resurrection, man, the Holy Spirit comes and he's like, I got you. And he begins to stir and transform and chisel and it's, it's sanctifying and it hurts, but it's good. It's good. So man, if, if you're in that place, man, don't leave tonight without coming and talking to somebody. If you have questions about that, we're not afraid of questions. We're not afraid to talk through that stuff. So man, come find me or Ben or anybody on our staff and let's, let's chat about that. And, but if you are a believer in the room and you see this and you think, man, I, I run back to the old self all the time. Yeah, like I love the Lord and I believe this and I'm, I'm asking the Spirit, man, like, man, let's be people who press into it. Right? Like, and yeah, it, sometimes it takes a while. It takes some, some falling down. And, but man, let's press into the Spirit. Be open to where the Spirit's leading. When the Spirit brings conviction, when he says, hey, that's not okay, man, don't ignore that. Press into that, right? Because that's what creates sanctification. That's what, makes, that's what makes us look more like Christ. It's the fact that when we're convicted of sin, when the Spirit stirs our hearts, we don't ignore it. We press into that. And we begin to, over time, look more like Jesus. And just imagine for a second what would happen if we did that. Imagine if we were a people who didn't ignore the spirit, but we actually pressed into conviction and we allowed that conviction to change us. And we took steps to look more like Christ. I have to believe that the people watching us would be like, I don't know what that is, but I want it. And I don't know where that life comes from, but I, I want it. I don't know where that joy comes from, but I want it. I don't know where that peace comes from, but I want it. I don't know where that kindness comes from, but I want it. And what that does is, is it doesn't say anything about us, but it says everything about him. Because that's, that's the point of this whole thing. This, this isn't about us just looking a certain way or, or becoming good moral people. No, this is about our lives reflecting and looking like our Savior. 
So when people see us, they're not supposed to see moral people. They're not supposed to say, man, those Christ Chapel kids are, man, they're moral. Like, like we've missed it if that's the goal. What we want is for people to see us and say, man, they're different. What is that? And then we get to tell them about Jesus because that's the goal, that we grow to look like Christ. So, man, may we be a people who press into the Spirit and allow him to transform us so that we may look like our Savior. Let me pray.